We are delighted to be joined by the man behind the amazing films, the American Gospel, Christ Alone and Christ Crucified, Brandon Kimber. Welcome to Exposit the Word, Brandon. Thank you for having me, David. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Brandon Kimber. I've, I was born and raised and still live in the uh, Cleveland, Ohio area. Mm. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm married. I have four children. Um, 33 years old. Um, I've been working at a small video production company called Transition Studios for the last 10 years, and um, I'm currently making documentary films. Uh, American Gospel, uh, Christ Alone, and Christ Crucified are my two latest films, but prior to that, I had created two um, other documentaries in the crime genre, and before that was doing uh, crime television work. Yeah. Brandon, how were you only 33 years old? Did you start working when you was like nine? <laughs> <laughs> I started right out of college. Um, so I was in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah, that's going to make a lot of people feel terrible about themselves. You do know that, right? I'm, I'm 40 and I'm thinking, what have I done with my life? <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did you become a Christian? Well, I grew up in the church. Um, My parents were both saved before I was born. And, uh, you know, throughout my whole childhood, Mm. I would hear their testimony about their lives before Christ. Yeah. And, uh, you know, saw the witness of their life uh, in the present. Mm. And, um, you know, I the church that I was in was very charismatic um, the church had split in the nineties due to the Toronto blessing. Yeah. Um, that's a movement that really birthed a lot of the, uh, popular charismatic or NAR, uh, churches like Bethel church. Yeah. Um, they, they kind of say they caught the fire from Toronto or mm-hmm. Bill Johnson will say that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I the the church I went to all of that stuff was being all those bizarre manifestations were being practiced in our church. Yeah, yeah. That was really a lot of the focus, the Holy Spirit, the gifts, experiences. Um, and I'd say the gospel was really unclear. Like you know, I believed I would say a lot of the essentials, but when it came to the attributes of God, I think I had a really unbalanced view of God Mm. and that church kind of focused more on the attribute of God's grace and that somehow the God of the old Testament was different than the God of the new and, you know, kind of downplayed doctrine as dead religion. Mm. And if you were to compare things to scripture, you would probably be, Uh, a Pharisee or they'd say you'd have a religious spirit. Mm. Um, I hear a lot of the same stuff now. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I would say that there was a play that I saw as a young child called Mm. heaven's gates and hell's flames. Yeah. Yeah. And this really terrified me as a kid. Um, it, 
basically had these skits of people who died and they either went to heaven or hell. And, um, you know, I was scared of hell. And at the end of this play, they asked people if, you know, they did an altar call for a sinner's with a sinner's prayer, basically. And I went home that night and asked my mom, mom, why didn't you tell me (laughs) you had to ask Jesus Christ into your heart to go to heaven? And so I prayed that prayer and that was probably the first of a hundred hundreds of times where I prayed that prayer because I had this idea that every time I sinned, I needed to pray that prayer and that made like somehow I lost my salvation every time I sinned. So there was this, uh, a lot of despair probably. Mm -hmm. I was definitely sensitive about my sin at the same time though. Um, I was more of the obedient child of, my my uh two other brothers and my parents would say things like why can't you be more like brandon and i think that kind of fueled this pride and self-righteousness in my heart yeah and i began to i was comparing my life and my sin to my parents and their lives before they were saved so i didn't do drugs and drink alcohol and do the crazy party lifestyle um but i wasn't seeing the inward sins of my heart like pride lust the attitudes and motives were sinful and just as deserving of hell as the sins that my parents talked about um and so i wasn't comparing myself to a holy god it was like my standard was um the people around me my parents um in college, the gospel became much more clear. I, through the internet, came across sermons that clarified things that were <laughs> previously confusing. Yeah. And, you know, I was introduced to this idea of easy believism and immediately recognized that that's what I was confused about because I didn't. You know, I would read things in the Bible that I wasn't seeing, <laughs> like, you know, the wrath of God. Yeah. Why wasn't that ever talked about in church? Yeah. Um, you know, I slowly started understanding how the law of God was to show me my need of a savior and the importance I, you know, was it, I guess I was, um, starting to see the importance of the distinction between the law and the gospel and preaching Mm. um, because the church that I later attend, I would say I was hearing a lot of moralistic preaching where it was just assumed that everyone knew the gospel and then it was all very law heavy and about what you should do. Mm. Um, And so I, I really think, um, that really leaves a Christian sitting under that type of preaching in either despair or pride yeah. because you're either thinking I haven't been good enough. I'm not doing enough yeah. or you think you are yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you need that gospel to come in between and say, uh, you haven't lived up to the be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect standard, yeah. but Christ has done that in your place and offers 
salvation freely yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I can't pinpoint a time in my life where I can say I became saved at this point, but I can definitely see um, how the Lord opened my eyes over a period of time and how I'm trusting in <laughs> uh, Christ alone yeah, for yeah. my salvation at this point. I'm really interested, Brandon. I didn't know that about your, your testimony. How charismatic did you get on a scale of one to ten? Is there video footage of you being slain in the spirit somewhere and speaking in tongues? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there's definitely not video. Um, I definitely did the slain in the spirit type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can remember the first time I saw that <laughs> as a, you know, a child, maybe 10 years old, what goes through your mind is, um, you know, after your parents tell you that this is the, the power of God affecting these people yeah. and we want you to be prayed for too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're like... <laughs> Oh, if I don't fall, they're going to think something is wrong with me, so I better fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that has a lot to do with it, kind of like a peer pressure. Um, but I also remember a man coming into our church and trying to give us the baptism of the Holy Spirit yeah. via the speaking of, uh, you know, speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing that. But it was more like uh, everyone just empty your mind and just start saying the random syllables that come out of your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think that's biblical tongues. <laughs> <laughs> when did you come up with the idea of American Gospel? Well, around age 15, we left that charismatic church, and I... Um, really didn't think much about it um other than the times my parents would say you know this church is really dead i i really hope <laughs> you know their music changes and yeah. we, we can start dancing in the aisles again you yeah. know <laughs> yeah um but probably around the same time uh it was probably after college and as i started working for this company that I started seeing these documentaries um, by a guy named Darren Wilson. Mm. Um, a few of them, a few of the names are uh, Finger of God, Holy Ghost, Father of Lights. Um, there's a few others, mm. but I started watching these. Uh, uh, some friends recommended them to me, and it brought up a lot of old memories from my old church yeah. uh i you know they're showing these apparent miracles like gold teeth appearing in people's mouths uh mm. jewels in bibles and legs being lengthened and you know i just remember this guy uh todd white was featured in this in these films a lot and that mm. was the first time i was introduced to him and i didn't really know what to think um but this led me down this path of kind of investigating what did I grow up in? <laughs> yeah. Didn't really understand it fully. And, you know, I, I came across, um, Justin Peters clouds without water seminar and a few other things and slowly began to realize that this was the word of faith movement. 
um, and understand like the Toronto blessing and, and how, you know, what some of the errors coming out of that and influences that that movement had on, Mm. you know, Bethel and other Mm. ministries today. Um, and so just had, just seeing that my parents kind of had one foot still in this faith healing doctrine and some of my friends and other family were influenced by this from our old church. I just really felt burdened to make a film that both clarified what the true gospel was Mm -hmm. and kind of compared that to the counterfeit. I don't want to make any assumptions just in case anybody's listening right now and, and they're hearing you speak. And in case they don't know what the prosperity gospel is, Brandon, can you just break it down and explain what it is and what sort of language that people use just in case anybody's listening and they're actually in a church that, that has word of faith? Sure. Yeah, so I'd say the prosperity gospel teaches that it's always God's will that we are healthy, wealthy, or prosperous. Mm. Um Essentially, God wants to give you the desires of your heart, and to get these desires fulfilled, we use faith, and faith um, in this movement is viewed more as a force where our positive words, our positive words of faith Mm. can change our reality, so if we need healing or a financial breakthrough, we can speak those things into existence. If we're sick, we don't want to speak. We really, I mean, sometimes people won't admit that they're sick. They don't want to speak negative things because they think that'll make it worse. Um, So their view of, and some of these teachers actually, like Kenneth Copeland, for example, teach that even God used faith as a force, as if faith was this force outside of him that he even spoke and used. So it's almost like giving man the same power as God, as if our words have the same creative power that his had in the creation of the universe. Um, Related to that is a doctrine called the Little Gods Doctrine, and it's really a a deification of man. Um, There's this idea that uh, it's kind of called a trichotomy, and in their their view of this, a man is made of three different parts, uh, a spirit, soul, and body. And they would say that the spirit is the same substance as as God. so when the, while they are deifying man, at the same time, they're also demoting who Christ is. Yeah. And they have this uh, view that the Christian is the, um, really as much of an incarnation mm. as was Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. So Jesus is seen as merely a man with the Holy Spirit like us. So they would take the verse in uh, Philippians that says that Christ um, emptied himself. Mm-hmm. And in context, that means he humbled himself. He, his, his glory was veiled. And what these teachers are doing is saying that he emptied himself of his divinity, mm-hmm. that he wasn't 
doing his works on earth as God. Todd White will even say he wasn't here as God. He didn't live his sinless life as God or do his miracles as God. And they're doing this so that they can uh, say that Christ was merely an example for us to follow, that we can also live a sinless life and do the same or even greater miracles than Jesus. Mm. Um, So I guess in summary, God is my servant. He's my divine butler and he exists for me. Yeah. And that's how, that's how the prosperity gospel would, would view God. Yeah. And it's his pyramid scheme as well, isn't it? With sowing a seed, um, you know, yeah. you, you show your faith by, yeah. Sow a seed, reap a harvest. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how is that different to the real gospel, Brandon? What, 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 what is the real gospel? So faith isn't a force. It's a, it's trust mm. in a person, mm. uh, Christ and his work. So yeah. Christ himself is the gospel and what he has done, his life, mm. you know, sinless life, yeah. substitutionary death, resurrection, ascension, um, all that he has done for us to reconcile us to God. Well, why did we need reconciling? Because um, <laughs> we have sinned yeah. and God is just and yeah. must punish sin yeah. and sinners. Um, so, you know, the prosperity gospel is also appealing to the desires that we have as fallen sinners. Like everyone wants to be healthy. Everyone wants to be wealthy. Yeah. Um, so the true gospel would say, no, our desires need to change and be aligned with God's desires. Yeah. And you'll hear, you know, Christ talking about denying yourself. Yeah. Well, the prosperity gospel is not about denying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the true gospel also promises suffering. Yeah. Um, God uses suffering to bring about our sanctification. Mm. He is, you know, Jesus was compassionate and healed, healed many in his earthly ministry. Um, but God is more concerned about our spiritual healing, Mm. our sanctification being more like Christ and he will use and sovereignly allow suffering um, into our life to accomplish that. Yeah. So the the real gospel is for the glory of God, not the glory of man. Yeah. Brandon, I'm really interested. How did you get things moving with a documentary, and how easy was it to get everybody engaged and involved with a project? Well, um, I was able to do this film because my boss gave me permission to do it as a passion project. So yeah. after our first couple films, or actually, actually after the first film we did, which was able to be on Netflix, I think it's still there today. Yeah. Um, he, you know, kind of put his trust in me <laughs> to uh, do my own project and this was kind of a conversation we were having just as co-workers because um, he had a similar background in church as me. Yeah. And so um, I started 
under his approval, I created a concept trailer um, using uh, some interviews I did with my friends and his and my brother. Um, I uh, I think I had like one interview with Nabil Qureshi and some other local uh, pastors in my area to make this trailer, a concept trailer. And I would send this out to people with like an interview request. Um, And, you know, it's, it's tough because nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Um, This is a very big and serious issue. Like if someone asked me to do an interview for a film about the gospel, I would be very cautious, just, you know, wanting to know what they actually believed and if to make sure that they weren't trying to trick me into participating in in a film that I didn't agree with. Um, so, uh, I, you know, slowly started getting interviews over time and this started in 2015, probably through 2018 that I did interviews for the first two films really. And, uh, I was working on another film part, you know, uh, at the same time. So American gospel was more like a part-time thing that I was just filming interviews, uh, kind of doing research and organizing footage and getting ready to put it all together. Um, I kind of describe it like a snowball effect. Once you start getting certain people on board, uh, then you kind of let the next people know that you're going to target. Like I've already interviewed these people, these people, if you want, you can ask them how their experience was, (laughs) um, for anyone who was, uh, concerned, what I would do is just offer them the ability to um, withhold signing their appearance release until they saw the final film. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that kind of removed the issue of trust. Yeah. Um, cause I couldn't legally use their, their, uh, you know, their footage without that signed paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, it, it was tough, but <laughs> a lot of prayer and God, God made the way yes. for it all to happen. So. so interesting. So if I use the same model, if I phone up John MacArthur and name drop you, Brandon, do you reckon I'll be able to get an interview with him? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's still difficult because, you know, you, you, you try to interview people again for a follow-up film, it's still difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know. It's not difficult trust-wise probably, but... Um, time-wise and just yeah. as far as uh scheduling yeah of course you were very brave in how you exposed false teaching and named names what was the response you had from those people that you featured and did you ever have any direct contact from any of these guys well for um for all the people that we critiqued we tried to send out you know a request for you know for them to be interviewed there were probably only three people that we got direct uh, replies back from. Yeah. The first was uh, Joel Olstein. Yeah. Um, their first response was, "We're gonna review your interview request." <laughs> yeah. 
and then we didn't hear from them again. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I believe Stephen Furtick's, uh, you know, Elevation Church yeah. got back to us and yeah. just declined. Um, Todd White was another that I had a direct uh, response to. They declined. Yeah. Uh, lifestyle Christianity. Um, you know, that that's the... Uh, that's uh, the direct contact I had, but there have been uh, some responses which we can talk about uh, later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Todd White specifically, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah, sure. And how did you, like, was you concerned, obviously, once you publish something like this and it's out in the public domain, was you ever concerned, because I'm not sure how this all sort of works in America, was you ever concerned legally that anybody could sue you for sort of defamation of character or if there could any be, you know, if there could be any lawsuits against you? Yes, definitely. Um, so when we make a film like this and the people you're criticizing refuse to participate, yeah. you end up having to use, um, you know, sermon clips or, you know, televangelist clips yeah. uh, illustrating what these people actually teach and believe. Mm. And so we, we are able to use those clips through the fair use law, as long as we're commenting and criticizing, you can use clips um, as long as they're under a certain length of time. Yeah. That's generally like seven to ten seconds. There are some exceptions, like if there's a longer chunk of a sermon where you need the full context, they give exceptions. Yeah. But all of the clips are logged. They're sent to a fair use lawyer who reviews everything yeah. and sends back notes and there's a lot of arguing back and forth yeah. on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what should stay and what shouldn't, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's very, uh, that's a little stressful, but it, you know, gives us, um, it basically gives us insurance in yeah. case someone should, uh, should sue us yeah. that we are covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. We, you, you touched on it a couple of moments ago, but we recently saw that Todd White uh, spoke about the American gospel. Um, tell us all about that, Brandon. Sure. Um, so last year, or probably the end of 2018, I was contacted by a, who, a guy who's now my friend, Trevor. Um, Trevor uh, lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area he had um, he was friends with Todd White's older daughter and taught like a dance class I think he teaches hip-hop dance or something and Trevor contacted me told me you know his testimony said he was very impacted by the film and had been impacted by like Justin Peters ministry as well Mm. and others and uh, explained that he knew who Todd White was and had met him before. Todd had done the leg lengthening miracle on him, Um, you know, prayed with him. They they talked. They had each other's phone number. Mm. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Trevor felt really convicted that he felt like he needed to share this film with Todd White. He, he was going to see him at a dance event in the coming months. And 
so we kind of made this plan. <laughs> hmm. At first, he was like, do you want to write a letter? And I'm like, I don't know. How about we get Kosti Hin to write a letter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that would be more impactful because yeah. Todd White, you know, endorses Benny Hinn and, you know, claims that he caught his, uh, you know, anointing from this encounter he had with Benny Hinn one time and another guy named Randy Clark. Um, so our plan was give Todd the film, Costi's letter, Trevor goes and meets with Todd in love. I mean, he's a friend and just kind of shares his heart about, um, what he believes is, uh, Todd's false doctrine. Mm and uh, gives him the film to watch and the letter. And, you know, he doesn't have a ton of time because they're at this dance competition thing. And uh, so the next day, Todd calls him back and really, uh, I don't know how how much detail I should get into, but he uh, tells, essentially tells Trevor that he snapped the DVD in half and tore up Cassie's letter, mm-hmm. tells him that, you know, it wasn't loving for you <laughs> mm-hmm. to do this. How could you do this? And then proceeds to really manipulate him by telling him one that, uh, he had a dream about Trevor that he was basically like a sheep being led away to the slaughter and that Trevor was going to lose his job, that he's not being a good Christian husband because his wife has a drinking problem, which she doesn't. Yeah. He just looked at her Instagram and saw something probably from like an anniversary and and made it up. Yeah. And, you know, he's trying to like manipulate and and, and scare him and Trevor <laughs> felt really violated I guess yeah. and um, we were really surprised just a, f- a week or two ago to find um, a sermon clip it was just by chance of Todd White talking about this very same encounter during one of his uh, I, will, I won't say sermons but no. his <laughs> messages yeah um, and, you know, he's directly talking about the film. He calls it demonically inspired. You know, he says it's a well-done movie at the cost of the anointing. And his biggest um, his biggest uh, critique, I think he starts off by saying, um, I get the biggest pushback from preaching that Christ emptied himself of his divinity. And he doubles down on that and then goes into this story because this is this is our main issue with yeah. Todd White is yeah. he's preaching a different Christ that can't save. Yeah. So Todd, you know, throughout this two hour sermon. Again, I shouldn't say sermon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of it is just stories. Yeah. Um, he he kind of defends his relationship with Kenneth Copeland by saying um, that uh, 
Copeland, we don't know enough about Copeland because he's given millions of dollars to Christ for All Nations, which is Reinhard Bonnke's uh, ministry, and they've saved millions of people. And Copeland has given away 27 of his aircraft to people, and he flies a private jet because he wants to be have you know yeah. more time with his family. Yeah. But according to Kenneth Copeland, it's because he doesn't want to fly in a tube full of demons. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah. Um, so, really, Todd, really, he, he demonizes his critics. I, I know a few other people in that area who have also encountered Todd White mm. and have challenged him. And this is... This is the pattern that happens every time. Todd says, don't judge me. He's saying, you're not being loving. You're hating me. And he runs away. Mm. And it, it, you know, that's what I'm hearing from my friends who encounter him personally. But when he gets on stage, he acts like he's this tough guy. And he really portrays those people as these like legalistic, hateful critics that are coming at him screaming when that's not the case at all. (laughs) So he, he just sadly, you know, he doesn't accept any type of criticism, you know, basically saying, I don't care what you think. Mm. And, um, you know, our motive in this is because we love Todd and we care about his soul mm. and we want him to repent. Um, and it's just really sad to see someone react like that to any type of correction. I mean, if someone came to me and with the concern that I was teaching heresy, mm. I would take that so seriously. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know that I am not, you know, I don't have, I don't have like an infallible understanding of scripture. I don't know everything. And so I always need to test what I believe to scripture. Mm. Um, so, yeah. What makes me most concerned about this situation, Brandon, is I'm really worried for you because in the future, if you ever develop one leg short of any other, you really are stuck with that. You're not, you're, you're going to have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a whole nother topic yeah <laughs> no comment let's move on <laughs> i heard a while back that francis chan was set to be involved but he then decided not to francis is someone that has paid lip service to a prosperity gospel for for a while saying all the right things but then in the last 18 months since about about the time when he wrote letters to the church he's done some really strange things tell us all about that so i think as far back as I think it might have been around 2014, mm. Francis Chan first spoke at um, a conference called One Thing, which is put on by IHOP, the International House of Prayer. Mm. And Mike Bickle is the head of that. Mm. He's part of this new apostolic reformation um, movement 
they deny that on their website, but they believe in the modern day office of prophet and apostle. And that's what that means. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even though they deny it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really don't. <laughs> um, so like you said, I had interviewed Francis, um, not particularly for the first film, but the second. Um, and you know, at first I wasn't even sure there were going to be two films. I thought it was all going to be one, uh, one film. Uh, but there, there was overlap in the questions I asked him, but you know, with him, there was that agreement that I mentioned that he would not need to sign his release until he saw the film. So with, while I was editing American Gospel Christ Alone, which is about the prosperity gospel, I started seeing that Francis Chan was going down this path of really unifying with the very people that my film was criticizing. Mm. Uh, The one event was called The Send, and uh, I think that was in the beginning about like February, 2019. And I saw that he was promoting that with other teachers like, um, Todd white and a lot of these other guys in the, uh, new apostolic reformation. I think at the actual event, Benny Hinn was there, Rodney Howard Brown, um, Michael Koulianos was, who is Benny Hinn's uh, son-in-law, Daniel Kalenda. Um, So I sent them an email basically saying I decided I wasn't going to include Francis in the film because I I felt like there would be, you know, some trouble, Mm. (laughs) uh, conflict. Uh, He would not agree with it, and... I didn't think it would, I I thought it would hurt the film because, you know, I didn't want to include him if he was going to be supporting that. They thanked me for doing that. They told me that they hadn't done enough research into groups like Bethel, Bill Johnson, and what they taught to be able to say whether or not those teachers or ministries preached false doctrine. Yeah. So, I believe uh, after the send, there was a tweet, or yeah, I think it was a tweet, where you see Francis taking a selfie with Benny Hinn. Yeah. And I think everyone kind of freaked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a series of tweets explaining my heart. And uh, I guess maybe it went viral, and a lot of people started emailing Crazy Love, (laughs) which is Francis's uh, ministry. And I got an email from them with a pretty sharp rebuke. (laughs) Um, And I responded, and they kind of accused me of, like, not reaching out to them first. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. How do you, how do you even have my email? We've we've been talking about <laughs> Francis yeah. not yeah. being in the film the past <laughs> yeah six, like six months back, and yeah. so you know I cleared up some confusion. But here here's the thing: 
they they claimed that Francis was correcting these men in private. But what we are seeing in public was him praising them as men of God, yeah. like calling Todd White a man of God. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a problem. Yeah. I think scripture teaches that, you know, we are not to participate with ministries that are preaching false doctrine yeah. at the level of it being a different gospel. Yeah. Um, that that's sinful. Yeah. And over time, you know, you know, I, I sent the, the final film to their ministry again, asked them to watch it. I have not received a reply back since yeah. Yeah. to whether to, you know, I don't know if they've watched it at this point and they never responded. It's been over, uh, you know, over a year. Yeah. Um, but you know, I sense that they don't agree because just recently, um, you know, Francis is not only promoting unity with Catholics, which is what these ministries do in the NAR is they promote Catholic unity. Um, but he has endorsed Bill Johnson of Bethel church. I mean, he says that they're on the same team and you know, I don't understand it. It's very concerning to me. I think he, from what he says, he seems to be drawn to them by their their love and kindness and their apparent humility. Mm-hmm. You know, he mentions that he mentions that he was like uh, inspired that they don't respond to their critics. Um, I'm like, yeah. well, I think they don't respond because. Yeah they know they're preaching false doctrine and, and twisting the word and they yeah. can't defend it. Yeah. And that's just what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, false teachers can be nice. Um, it's something called common grace. Uh, <laughs> okay. They can demonstrate what appears to be some fruit of the spirit. You know, some non-Christians, atheists can be very kind and loving. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... You know, he's also attracted to this idea of going back to the book of Acts and the, seeing the signs and wonders and healing uh, that the apostles did. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, mm. you know, it's very concerning. I hope um, that he, and I pray that his eyes are open to that error and that you know, it's leading people into false doctrine. Um, but that's my heart on that. I hope, and (laughs) I hope that counters any, uh, portrayals that my motivations are hateful Mm. or coming from a place of arrogance, but they're not. The first movie featured Jackie Hill Perry, which no doubt gave her a platform, and many conservative evangelicals then started to become engaged with her on social media. It seems that over the last 12 months, she's become more and more uncomfortable with that, and and she's endorsed people from Bethel. Have you had any further contact with Jackie, and do you know what's happened since the American Gospel? Well, when when she tweeted that photo of her with Jen Johnson... I decided to email her 
um, just explaining my concerns, asking where she stands, has she changed her theology, yeah. and just for some background, yeah. in the film, she only appears in the first you know, 40 minutes where we're talking about moralistic preaching. Yeah. I think in my interview with her, we talked about the word of faith movement and how she did, you know, believe that was unbiblical, but I didn't really include what she said in the latter half yeah. of the film. Um, so when people say, you know, Jackie, uh, is against word of faith, well, she never really said that in the film, but she does, believe, you know, she does uh, affirm that she disagrees with the Word of Faith movement yeah. and doesn't and thinks those doctrines are unbiblical. Um, but when she responded to my email, she she apologized and said that she hadn't watched the film. <laughs> um, I had sent her a copy and a link for a digital version too, but I guess yeah. she just didn't have enough time. Wow. Um, I don't know at this point if she's watched it. I mean, Jackie, it's on Netflix. If you're hearing this, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she basically said, and she she wrote out a public response that was really almost identical to what she sent me in my email. Mm. Um, and she says. You know, in response to my concerns that she's kind of aligning with people like Jen Johnson of Bethel Church, Christine Kane, Sarah Jakes Roberts, who is uh, T.D. Jakes' daughter, um, she said, there's much more depth and nuance to where someone stands that would be hard to gather simply by watching their talks and even reading their books. So I think what she's saying is... I've gotten to know these people in person. Mm. Um, and it, again, it seems similar to the Francis Chan thing. Yeah. These people are really nice. And when I ask them questions about, you know, their doctrine, uh, it, it doesn't align perfectly with the word of faith, yeah. you know, doctrine. Yeah. So I think she's affirming word of faith is error but she's saying that these people don't don't align with everything they teach now like td jake's daughter for example i've never heard a message from her but i asked jackie this in the email i said td jake's is a modalist and he doesn't believe in the trinity i sent her the website where it shows that in the belief statement and I just said, I kind of assume that his daughter believes the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. You, I just said, you should look into that because that is very problematic. Should you be partnering yeah. with her? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know she believes the Trinity is a essential gos- gospel doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have noticed that she um, appears to be aligning with the social justice gospel. Mm. Um, and by that I would mean kind of adopting the critical race theory lens when addressing like injustices and stuff like that. Um, she has said that, you know, she has concerns for preachers 
who advocate for political agendas which undermine you know the doctrine of the imago day or defending racist ideologies even if they're doing that unknowingly so i think um that is a big that's a concern for her but i i have concerns that um maybe some of the influences that she has um yeah. as far as like critical race theory and stuff like that are are also undermining the gospel yeah um all this being said jackie acknowledged that she doesn't um you know she's still young in the faith yeah. and she asked to please pray for me <laughs> yeah. yeah so i would just leave it at that that yeah. pray for jackie yeah that's she hasn't responded since you know yeah. my last email but yeah the lindsey davis story must have been such an encouragement to you brandon yeah um <laughs> so i think uh shortly after the film came out um i got a message from hannah and esther from the blue stocking baptist podcast yeah. and um they had been in communication with Lindsay. Um, Lindsay was a student at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and she was given the film through Esther. And uh, you know, they they were interacting with her on social media, Facebook, and Lindsay watched the film, and the Lord graciously opened her eyes to the deception that she was in and Lindsay started speaking out on her her Facebook page which she had a very large following because prior to this um, she had a viral post where she uh, I guess taking what she had learned from Bethel mm. about how to hear God's voice, which essentially they teach whatever comes into your head. <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of how you prophesy. Yeah. Or, um, so she had this, this long post about that subject, which went viral. And I remember seeing this, um, myself before even the film was released, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And so she had this massive following cause this thing had, hundreds of thousands of shares and for her to switch gears you know 180 degrees and begin speaking out against Bethel and this false doctrine that she was in created a really big uh controversy you know controversy um we they we connected with her and she sent us her testimony we posted it on our page and that made it even bigger. Yeah. Um, it went, you know, her interview on cultish and stuff like that happened. So, um, you know, the Lord <laughs> through that, even what Lindsay continues to do today. Um, yeah. it's amazing how much fruit, yeah. how, how many people are leaving deception because of, how other people are taking the film and using it as a, an evangelism tool. And wow, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, so good. Did you get an invite to the wedding? 
Actually, yes. Did you? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's kind of weird. You know, you get asked, uh, how do you know Lindsay? Well, I made a film and she left the school and uh, her husband met her because we posted her testimony on our Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So good. How much good stuff ended up on the cutting room floor? Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, 50 plus hours, you know. Of content, uh, definitely some leftover to make to use in other films. Um, I probably, you know, uh, when I asked questions, I was asking questions in a very broad range of topics, yeah. considering future films down the line. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's also a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff related to the first and second film that wasn't included that, you know, maybe one day could be extras or reworked into a new version of it. I don't know. Brandon, you can always send it to us. We'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels sinful to like sit on it and not make it available. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As a movie director, you know all about the power of music and how that can be used to evoke emotions and reactions. How do false teachers use music within their ministries? Well, for one thing, during preaching, a lot of these preachers will have background music. Um, mm. Just someone on the piano playing some very emotional, dramatic music, which I think puts people in a, a trance-like state. Yeah. You know, with with that on top of dimmed lighting and whatever else, what whatever other gimmicks are going on, mm. you're creating this atmosphere, uh, <laughs> which they would say invites the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, but I would say, no, remove that, remove all of that, mm. just preach the gospel. Yeah. And that's when the Holy Spirit's going to come, and act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Not only in preaching does this happen, but maybe, for example, Todd White's street healing videos. Mm. They use a lot of dramatic music in the background. And if you look at the comments, you know, you might see stuff about, you know, comments about that music. But if you can, in your mind, mute that music and just focus on what's actually happen happening and you're going to see a completely different, you know, a completely different story happening. For yeah. example, yeah. the last, one of the most recent videos I watched, you know, the, it's this very dramatic Todd White video. It's a, it was like a combination of his mentor, Dan Moeller, preaching mixed with examples of Todd trying to heal this person. Yeah. And, Todd prays for this man about three times and no, there's no evidence that he was ever healed. Mm. Uh, it's how are you feeling? And he's like, Oh, uh, maybe a, a little percent better. And they pray for him again and he still isn't healed. So we're going to pray for him again. And so not only is the music kind of distracting you from that, mm. but you need to consider you know, I see this as a filmmaker. Mm. Consider 
consider what the presence of a video camera has in that situation. Yeah. If there's this faith healer approaching you, trying to heal you, yeah. and you don't want to offend him and hurt his feelings by saying, no, uh, nothing's happening. And he keeps repeatedly praying for you again and again. And this is all on camera. Yeah. You, you're either going to <laughs> kind of play along yeah. in, in order to get these people out of your face. Um, like, leave me alone. I'm just going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm healed. And I, I I've seen that in a lot of his videos where you can tell the reactions to these people, they don't seem genuine. It's more like, get away from me. (laughs) Um, I'm not saying that that's true every time. Um, I don't believe the healings we're seeing in Todd White's ministry are actual healings i know the leg lengthening for sure is Mm. not because you can do that so easily and i can see todd manipulating that to make it appear to happen but you look at scripture the healings were instant and undeniable you did not have to pray multiple times you didn't have a partial healing so it's just not what i see yeah in in the new Testament and the fact, and you know, I don't care if you go out and pray for someone's healing, but don't call that doing the gospel. The gospel is a message that has to be spoken with words. And it's about Christ and his, his work. It's not about you being a new reincarnation of Christ and trying to do everything Jesus did minus communicating about who the real Jesus is. Yeah. So that, that's what I see in Todd's ministry. I'm sorry, that kind of strayed off of the topic of music. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's good. Uh, but, yeah. you, you know, just that dramatic music, people consider that anointed. Um, it, it's Music in itself has that ability to stir up emotion, yeah. and it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Yeah. How are some of these prosperity uh, movements as well using music? Because, you know, we see a lot of published music, um, you know, and often lyrically it would pass for Christian smell test and it's it's often OK. But th- a lot of these ministries are using this popular music as being sung in churches that are sound biblically. And and it's obviously drawing people into, to, you know, people are listening to the music. You're only one click away then, right, from checking out this false teaching. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there. you might, with Bethel music, for example, you might have some songs that are, the, the lyrics are doctrinally sound. Yeah. Um, but as a pastor or worship leader, consider the danger of, uh, one, the people in the audience the, even the you know young people whoever yeah. are going to look into who sang the song yeah. the ministry connected to it yeah. and they could get sucked into this false doctrine yeah. and not only that you're most likely paying a license fee to the creators of that music and you're supporting that ministry yeah in the last week or so we've been delighted to see the news that you've managed to get the documentary onto Netflix 
first of all, well done. That's amazing. How, how did you manage to pull that off? Well, um, <laughs> like I mentioned before, this wasn't our first film on Netflix. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, our first film is a crime documentary called A Murder in the Park. Mm. I believe it's still on there, but it's probably going to go away soon. It's been a, a couple years. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, let's see, how did this start? <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we have a, uh, a company that we use called Giant Interactive, yeah. and they take our film and are putting it on all the different platforms for us. Yeah. Aside from aside besides um, Vimeo and DVD, we have direct control over those. Yeah. But everything else from iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, they are responsible for that, and they have direct communication with a company like Netflix. Yeah. So, uh, I think there there are a few different things. The first film, American Gospel film, has performed so well that I think that was a um, a big factor into them considering it. Yeah. The second thing is Netflix has lost a lot of their Christian audience due to some of their yeah. anti-Christian content yeah. in recent, you know, recently. Yeah. And so they have an interest in, you know, gaining some of that audience back. And uh, I know some people have criticized us for, you know, we're essentially supporting a company that's promoting ungodly content. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I'd say to that is that every single one of the platforms that we're on already yeah. also promotes ungodly content. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you can't escape it on yeah. YouTube, Amazon, Apple TV, you know, yeah. that's just what we decided was it was more important to get the message to a larger audience to make it more freely available. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing about Netflix. Mm. At the same time, they realized that this film could hurt them yeah. 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 <laughs> and make them lose an even larger Christian audience, you know, yeah. um, because, the prosperity gospel is very popular. Yeah. And uh, so what they're doing is they're giving this a trial, um, a six-month trial. Mm -hmm. And depending how it does, they're going to decide whether to extend it or or not. So wow. we'll see what happens. Yeah. But in the meantime, <laughs> wow. we're wow. just happy that uh, – it's more widely available. I think, you know, there is a huge need around the world even, especially in places like South Africa. We get tons of messages from them. Mm. And it's not easily available there. Um, even when we try to send packages with DVDs, they get lost a lot of times or stolen or something. Mm. Um, so if... If this does well on Netflix, Netflix could make this worldwide wow. and, you know, more widely available 
we hope and pray. <laughs> so we can support you by when we go to sleep at night, if we put Netflix on and then put American Gospel <laughs> on repeat, right? That would help. <laughs> yes, that would help, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. We live in an age where illegal streaming is a huge problem for content providers. Did this cause you any problems? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we find pirated copies of the film all the time oh, really? on YouTube. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, people ask us, why are you selling the gospel? Aren't you just like the prosperity preachers? Mm. Well, no. Um, first, the company we work for is a we're non, a non-profit, so we can't accept donations. So there are other Christian ministries that, you know, they'll offer a film for free. Mm. I think Living Waters, for example. Mm. But Living Waters accepts donations from partners. Mm. They're supported that way. And they will sell their film like the first few months and then release it for free later and then continue to sell it, you know, in a disc form too but we don't have the ability to to do that so our only support comes from the sale of the film Mm. and if you consider the cost of making a film if you knew the cost yeah yeah (laughs) um we've invested a lot of money and if we were to just make it free we would be out of business yeah unfortunately and we wouldn't be able to make any more yeah uh projects so you know we believe that it's biblical that we are paid for our work yeah so that you know i can feed my family yeah. <laughs> i'm not living in a mansion or anything yeah i'm not promising um if you sow your seed you'll <laughs> reap a harvest yeah <laughs> um, so you know for those who say why are you selling the gospel? I just usually just say, did you buy your Bible? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you paid any attention to the business model that the TV series that's going around at the moment, The Chosen? They seem to have done this um, business model where people are like paying in advance. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. And that is interesting. And from what I understand, they developed this app and the system on their own. So okay. I'm not sure how easy that would be to replicate, but mm. it does seem like a very good way to do that. Yeah. You're kind of like paying it forward. Yeah. Yeah. The first movie Christ alone was about these false teachers adding things to the gospel. Your second movie was about these false teachers taking things away from the gospel. Tell us about that. So the second film, American gospel, Christ crucified, I would say, well, the first film I would say is, is Christianity Jesus plus? And so Christ crucified is Jesus minus. And that would be the gospel minus the wrath of God, penal substitution, hell, the exclusivity of Christ and salvation, Mm. all the very offensive parts of the gospel um, that what I would call the that progressive Christianity tends to either reject or ignore. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the main focus of that is the doctrine of penal substitution, which, you know, is the belief that Christ 
died for our sins in the sense that he took the penalty for our sins in our place as a substitute. Mm. Um, He paid um, a debt to the justice of God so that God could forgive us. Mm. And the problem in progressive Christianity is that this view is often portrayed as cosmic child abuse. Mm. And... (laughs) They kind of create this straw man where they make the doctrine out to be that Jesus was this unwilling victim who was uh, killed by his bloodthirsty father and uh, it it is completely ignoring the Trinity. Yeah. And what the Bible clearly says, yeah. Jesus wasn't an unwilling victim at the cross. Yeah. He willingly laid down his life according to the Father's will. Yeah. And, you know, the cross was part of his eternal plan. It was his will that the Son drink the cup of wrath. Yeah. Um, it was the Father who made Jesus to be sin. He declared the Son guilty and treated him as guilty. Mm. Um, he, you know, Jesus connects who he is and what he came to do with Isaiah 53. Um, You know, he says he was numbered with the transgressors. Uh, Romans says that the cross was uh, a demonstration of God's righteousness Mm -hmm. so that he could remain just. Mm -hmm. You know, God is punishing sin, showing that he's just. Mm -hmm. And he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And he's the justifier of sinners. So God himself is taking on the debt of sin in the person of God the Son. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that people forget is Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is God the Son taking his own righteous requirements, Mm -hmm. absorbing his own wrath. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like – it's not – Like they'll portray, you know, they'll take the prodigal son story and say the father didn't um, go get his whip, you know, a servant and and beat him before uh, he forgave the son. (laughs) It's a complete uh, again, it's a complete straw man. So what I try to clearly explain in the film is that is this. As to try to look at the atonement through the Trinity and to show that well, what true forgiveness looks like is when one turns the other cheek and absorbs the debt or the justice that's owed to another person. Mm-hmm. And you'll never hear any of this acknowledged uh, by critics. So anytime I forgive, um, I'm absorbing the justice owed. And that's exactly what God does in the cross. Yeah. Um, the death that, you know, the wages of sin is death. That's the justice we owe God for our sin. Yeah. So instead of us dying for our sins, what does God do? He takes that death and absorbs it on himself yeah. and he dies for our sins. Yeah. Wow. And there's nothing unjust yeah. Yeah. or there's no form of abuse at all in that. 
I've just noticed how long I've kept you. This has been like such an interesting interview, Brandon. So I'll just quickly ask you these these final questions, and then and then I'll let you get out of here so that you can continue making the third film. I don't want to be blamed for that being uh, delayed in its release. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, if you could turn back time, would you have done anything different? I would just say, in general, I would avoid targeting celebrity preachers for interviews. Um, I would do more research, um, (laughs) wait till I have a little more, I think I have more discernment now than when I started. Um, just maybe more ignorant than, you know, than anything else. But, uh, you know, the one thing that has come up that came up the year the film was released was the whole social justice thing. Mm. And unfortunately that's had such a, a split within the body Mm. and uh you know i get criticized for having certain people connected to that in the film i won't name any names although i kind of already did (laughs) i do do think that that is an important topic and maybe a future topic but not the third film (laughs) yeah oh well that's an exclusive i know what the title of the the title of these uh interview is going to be now brandon how is it (laughs) how is the third movie going well um the coronavirus has really slowed down production i do have a number of interviews but i've had many uh trips canceled since that happened yeah and uh but Thankfully, this summer, things are opening back up again, and I have things lined up. Um, hopefully, this will all be done at the end of next year, by the end of next year, 2021. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the topic is going to be on the Holy Spirit and the New Apostolic Reformation Oh, I can't wait for that. And you will be a, a, a mighty 35 years old when that comes out, Brandon. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Brandon. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to you, buddy. You're welcome. Great great to be here. How can people get in touch with you? The best way would either be through our website, which is AmericanGospelFilm.com, mm. um, or through our Facebook page, which is just titled American Gospel. You can send a message. That's where most of our updates uh, appear. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Twitter and an Instagram, but the Facebook page is probably the best uh, place for updates and news. Okay, excellent. Well, I'll put the uh, the links to those in the description below. Brandon, thanks again, and we hope to have you back on the show um, in a couple of years' time when the next one comes out. Yep, looking forward to it, David. Thank you. Thank you.